Welcome to Peeling the Onion Podcast with Cheryl Passwater and Nancy Campbell, where we have real conversations about what it takes to dive deep into the unique journey of healing. Health is not a win-lose game. Join us and our amazing guests to explore the layers of physical, mental, and spiritual health. So grab a drink, go for a walk, get cozy, and let's peel the onion. podcast, we have Dr. Debbie Rice. Debbie is the Director of Clinical Education at the Dutch Test. She has discovered naturopathic medicine through her own health challenges and has spent time working with communities abroad. Her passion is devoted to access to healthcare for all and really diving into stress and sex hormone evaluation and balance. She loves being in the sunshine and exploring mother nature, and she loves to continue her learning journey by talking and meeting to all sorts of people and folks in all sorts of walks of life. She is an amazing guest. She was here previously on Peeling the Onion talking about perimenopause, but today she's joining us to talk about menopause. So we hope you enjoy Dr. Debbie Rice. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Peeling Nettian Podcast. We have Dr. Debbie Rice back again. I'm super excited. We've had her here to talk about perimenopause, but guess what? We're talking about the menopause today. <laughs> Gosh, yes. I'm good. I'm going to take this whole moment here to say I'm excited about it. Are we excited Ooh. about it? Let's have some positive like energy. <laughs> I like it. I like Not it. Just like dun dun dun. I know. I, <laughs> I do feel like it is advertised as this like really bad thing and scary thing and. I, I don't, it doesn't need to be scary. We can educate ourselves. We can learn about what's happening. So I agree. I think we can make it an awesome transition. A hundred percent. And we had you on before to talk about perimenopause. And we today want to kind of make that transition even through this episode. So we're going to go back and do a little bit of perimenopausal review because we need to work our way through the tunnel and think about what it feels like, what's going on in our body chemically, um, and how we can help it to just be, yay, menopause, instead of dun-dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, menopause, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, well, so to start over here and do a little bit of review, women are entering perimenopause starting in their mid to late 30s. Is that correct? So it can begin to shift in the late 30s. Now, okay. there's definitely that discussion of if you start menopause before the age of 40, that is probably like, that's what they consider early menopause. Okay. But I feel like there's this transition that can happen in the late 30s to early 40s, right? Where mm -hmm. people are saying, am I in menopause? What's happening with my body? Because those hormone changes start happening. And I think stress and our environment can certainly exacerbate that hormone presentation. <clears throat> We're seeing that in general as women are struggling with, with their fertility. I mean, there's, I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea that we're, we're coupling here is that there is stress and environmental issues are just throwing our hormonal balance off, which is giving us a whole host of symptoms, right? Which is not no, no surprise that, that menopause would start a little early. And I, I want to also say that I was sort of caught by your use of the language menopause versus perimenopause. When we're talking about the transition to shifting away from being fertile, we are using the term menopause. Is that right? Is that where you... I That's essentially it, right? Like when the ovaries yeah. are not doing the best at their job, our ovaries are supposed to help us with that fertility. Um, and so when we start to have that decline in ovarian function is when we start to enter that perimenopause to menopause pathway. Yep. Right. And the whole yep. thing, the whole thing we're going to call menopause. Yep. Yep. And there's, I mean, when we look at the definitions of menopause, what that means, you know, there, there are a couple of different outlines of like how that starts, when that starts, what that mm -hmm. means, and, you know, the timeline. But perimenopause can last anywhere from two to three years to eight or more years, right? So that average transition for perimenopause, I would say, is anywhere between two and five years. Mm -hmm. um, 
you have the you have the lucky people um that are able to just be like well i just stopped having my cycle and you know there it is and then you have the, the rest of the world that is like wait what is happening right like what's going on like i'm not sleeping or my cycles are crazy and i feel like i'm a teenager again right like i can't wear white anymore i don't know what's happening um i'm moody i can't sleep i don't know who this woman is mm-hmm. you know and it's yeah. it's rediscovering yourself just like I, I mean, it, it is like our second puberty, right? Like it's, it's redefining and rediscovering who you are as a, as a woman. And yeah. I think it's a really important time in accepting those changes. Cause I think it's a very powerful and beautiful transition. Um, as much as it can be like maybe climbing Mount Everest at some points, but you know, when you get to the other side, it's like, Oh wow. Right. Like there are these new expressions of your body and your brain and your mind and it's just it's really cool yeah it is cool complicated and cool yes <laughs> complicated and cool. <laughs> well I was just thinking about it too it's like how many of us you know maybe we got a sex talk maybe we got a period talk but like never got a talk or like any like had any real conversation um maybe with our mothers or other women about you know, going through perimenopause and going into menopause and how to go through those things um, successfully, right? And sort of like, it's this weird, we were just talking actually before we started recording about, uh, we were all drawing different cards of like divine timing and this idea of like surrender and like we cannot control the situation and it's gonna, our bodies are just kind of gonna do what they're gonna um, do, but also that there are lots of things we can also do to set ourselves up um, hopefully to go things a little smoother. Yeah, exactly. There, as much as we may not be able to control the when of perimenopause and menopause, I think we can set ourselves up for wonderful success in it. Mm-hmm. And in looking at that, it's, I will say like the better outcomes that I see are people that are honoring those foundational things, sleep, moving your body, treating your body well in the sense of not feeding it toxic things, making sure that your gut health is happy, making sure that your stress is well-managed, right? Like those are, those are the big things. And I know we, we kind of like throw it out, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, like make sure that you're handling stress. There's a lot more to handling stress than just like pretending you can say it, right? Like there is a Mm -hmm. lot of intentionality that goes behind that. And I think it's important. There's a lot of intentionality that goes behind making sure that your body is healthy, right? Going through this. So it would, it'd be just like if you were, you know, you'd want to make sure if you were restructuring your house, you want to make sure you pull out all the bad stuff so that you can make sure that you're putting your, you know, everything is healthy and happy moving forward, right? Like all the bad stuff is out, the clean stuff is in, the good stuff is in, and you're moving forward with that same idea. Yeah. And we're not just talking about food. We're not talking about just supplements. We're not talking about, you know, some of the chemicals and sort of the the endocrine, um, the toxic endocrine disruptors that might be in our home. We're actually also talking about people, things, jobs, situations, right? All of the things. Yes. Mm -hmm. All the things. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can't just talk about stress, right, without sort of thinking about the the letting go. And, and as you were describing that, Debbie, I was thinking about, like, this is just a letting go. It's a shedding into a new evolution of who we are, like you were saying. Like, this is a new phase of our life. Um, and at 46, I'm really feeling that myself. Like, I feel like there's this new person's inside of me, you know, that's like ready to go, like ready to come out, you know, and she feels more, I don't, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but she feels more womanly. And I mean that in a very like grounded, owning my feminine, owning my place in this world, owning my voice and my purpose. And I think like, and then and letting go of all the, the good girl, you know, sweet Southern good good girl that I was raised to be, right? And so not that she's a bad person. It just hasn't always served me well. Um, Well, and there's definitely, I mean, there's research that shows, right? Like when we have that, those, um, the big pushes of estrogen that we have, you know, in our 20s and 30s and starts to wane out in our 40s. Estrogen is that like caring mother. She's the, 
She's mm-hmm. the one, I mean, as much as we think of estrogen as also bossy and making sure that we get things done, but estrogen also gives us that compassion. She gives us that um, motherly sense of, let me be the caretaker. Let me put your needs over mine because I'm the mother and I'm going to take care of you. That's, you know, that can be what happens with that estrogen as we start to lose that estrogen. Then we're like, what? I don't know right? Like now it's time to take care of me, right? Like I've already given you that part of myself and now I can start to take care of me. And this is, this is looking at like the energetic shifts as well as those physical shifts, right? So we've had these multiple shifts spiritually, right? From our little girl to our teenage girl, to our 20 year old girl, to our, you know, as you were saying, like that older feminine energy. And I don't mean older as in like crone energy, which is still Mm -hmm. a beautiful energy. Mm -hmm. But when we're into, you know, when we're going into that perimenopause phase, we also want to remember there are still these other parts of our femininity that need to be acknowledged and worked through so that we can fully, as we were saying, like surrender into that energy and accept, right? So when we heal those parts, it helps to express the better healed part of who we're becoming. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah, 100%. Which is just to say, to reiterate, this doesn't have to be gnarly and ugly and awful and we're not shriveling up and dying. No, no. (laughs) I think it's unlocking to a freedom that we've never really even had the hormone bandwidth to express. Right? Like, I think that's huge. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about that, actually. (laughs) I think that's what (laughs) I want to know more. Um, and so let's get into the biochemical a little bit and kind of think about what's happening in our, inside our body. And so we, can we do a little review again um, on the perimenopausal shift just from a chemical hormonal standpoint? And then we can kind of crank it into menopause. Can we do kind of the the quick version? Yeah. Yeah. So when we're looking at that shift, so as a cycling female, right, we have mm-hmm. these predictable changes that happen with our estrogen and our progesterone and our testosterone and our cortisol, depending on stress, should stay about the same. Mm-hmm. When we start to have this shift, our progesterone is the first that knocks off, right? It it becomes more predictably low. And our estrogen is still trying to figure out what's going on. So estrogen's a little wild. And when estrogen is in her wild phases, this is where you can see some really significant changes with metabolism, mood, sleep, you know, even digestion, because estrogen is also part of our digestion. So we we can start to feel these changes where you're like, I haven't done anything different, right? Like I'm I'm doing all the things that I know that work and it's not working. And it's because your body, that chemistry, the physiology is changing. And then as you go through that perimenopause, we get to menopause. And this is where estrogen has finally calmed down in the sense of she's no longer having any of those... Um, fluctuation. So you don't see the high peaks or the low troughs. Progesterone and estrogen are now in their stable, low ranges. Mm. And with that, depending on what's happening with our stress, our testosterone, our cortisol is still going to be fairly predictable. So it doesn't have the same kind of fluctuations. So we do have this significant drop in hormones than what we were used to before. And because of that, we have this relative change to our testosterone. We have a relative change to what we were experiencing with our cortisol. So that is also a new, like getting to know you sense in how your hormones are changing as well. Beautiful. Yeah. And we're... the stability of that hormonal shift has a lot of influences. I mean, we're, I mean, I think we already, we've already hit it that I think, and one of the things I've been thinking about a lot about is like, well, if we're entering perimenopause with low progesterone, high, high estrogen, or some version of some other imbalance, um, does it, is there repair that could happen in perimenopause to make menopause easier? I think the more you are able to be present in your body, the better the shift can happen. So the more you're able to support that detoxification, that gut health, that physical activity, the better it can be. Okay. So let's talk about that. So when you say present in your body, you're saying, let's, let's just be aware of symptoms and, and navigate them. So just keep, so that if, you know, you're adjusting for what needs to be adjusted for. 
Is that what you mean by being more present? Well, and I think too, like, I feel like we in our stressful world will be like, oh, let me just finish this and then I'll pay attention to my body. Mm-hmm. And the hard part about that is we have to kind of like relearn being present in our body of like, oh, actually, you know what? I haven't been sleeping well for the past three years. Maybe I should make that a priority. Mm-hmm. Or I haven't been moving my body consistently, you know, for this amount of time. I should probably do that. So that's where I say like really paying attention to what your patterns have been because mm-hmm. what works as a cycling female likely will not work as a perimenopause and menopausal female. Your body is going to need more support. Yeah. I mean, that is that is for sure. I think everybody I've, I know who's going through this, the perimenopausal phase is all just like, holy shit, what is happening right now? The, the things that I normally do are not working. Um, and, and we talk about it a lot. Like most of us can't drink alcohol in the same way that we could. We can't go without that standard eight to nine hours of sleep. Um, you know, we're just, we're just feeling it at all sides. We're getting acne or crazy periods. We're getting two periods a month. We're getting heavy, heavy clots. We, yeah, like you said, we're, we can't wear white because we're bleeding through our clothes. Um, it's intense. So intense. It is. And it's, it can be disorienting too, because right, like you finally, you know, we're like, oh, okay. Now I, I, I know this, this version of myself and I can, I can handle it. And these are the things that I can push this version of myself to. Mm. That push becomes different, right? So that's where I say like having that um, acknowledgement and capacity to to realize where you're at with your body and how hard you're pushing her. Yeah, I think what's what's really coming through to me is like learning how to say no and what to say yes to, and really yes. getting redoing good that list. boundaries. Yes, yep. <laughs> good, good boundaries. boundaries. Yep, good mm-hmm. boundaries. Well, and I think too when we you know when we start looking at menopause and you know and even perimenopause, like we don't always understand. Like I think some there are things that we, we logically know, like oh maybe my libido's low or maybe my hair is falling out or maybe a little bit of this or a little bit of that. But then there are all these things that we don't necessarily know are connected, you know, like our nails becoming brittle and um, the mood swings, panic disorders, like irritability, you know, like all this like emotional stuff, but then like, you know, dizziness and weight gain. And there's all these like things and they kind of start creeping in and like little pockets. So sometimes I think it's easy for us not to realize, um, especially if we're not anchored into our bodies, like you're talking about, it's easy to not realize like, oh, wow, all these little things, they've been sort of piling up. It's never one thing. It's like the domino effect of things that are happening in this like bigger cascade. And so, um, you know, I was having a conversation recently with one of my own clients who's um, menopausal and, you know, having the conversation of like her and having issues with histamines way before, even perimenopause and then you know and that the roots of the gut being the foundation you know for everything that happens in the body and our hormones and our neurotransmitters and everything going on but just the fact that she can't clear all that histamine in the gut creates more gut dysbiosis it wreaks more havoc on the hormones and her detoxification like you were talking about and you know we we all should be able to naturally detox easily, but unfortunately, life, maybe genetic snips, poison in the everything, crap food, right? Our farming practices are bad. Everything starts piling up and then we we can't naturally clear. And so it is this sort of, you know, it's like uh, the bucket analogy, like the bucket's been filling and then it's just the one thing that finally knocked the bucket over and all of a sudden you're like having this cascade of things and you think this thing has been done to you. <laughs> Right. Right. (laughs) But it was always there. And, you know, and I see this a lot, even, um, you know, with clients with like long haul COVID, it's like this thing has been done to me. And I was like, well, the thing bucket was always full or it was filling. It's just, this was the thing that kicked it over. And so, you know, it's like, it's not always, again, just uh, for everybody listening, it's just a really good reminder. It's never one thing. It's the series of things and being an optimal 
um, health. And we all want to feel great and vital and vit- have vitality and have great sex and have great relationships and feel good in our bodies. Like that should always be our goal, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and I think there's this, you know, idea of like, oh, menopause, the place where my libido goes to die. And it shouldn't be that, you know what I mean? Like there, and can we make your libido as it was when you were 22? Probably not. But the things that we can do to support. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the things that we can do to support should not be like, and that's where I feel like that fear comes from is right. Like I'm going to lose all of myself and my self identity. And as much as there's going to be that shift, I don't think we need to lose ourselves in that. We can still, you know, pull ourselves through that as long as we are able to take care of ourselves too through it, essentially. So Debbie, like what are the things that you feel like we should be focusing the most on when we're thinking about moving forward? I know we were like, we touched a little bit like gut health. We're touching a little bit on this and a little bit of that. But like, you know, if you had to like create, you know, Debbie's list of top 10 things that we should be, (laughs) I have lots of things on my list, but I want, I would love to hear like, well, what what are the things that we should be really thinking about? Like, how can we be proactive? So I, I do think stress is a big thing to consider, right? Like your, and the reason I say that is because your adrenal glands become like your second ovaries in menopause, right? So we want to make sure that we set them up for success. So stress management, how we manage stress, what that looks like is going to be huge moving into menopause. Um, Sleep, sleep pattern and circadian rhythm are going to be huge, right? Um, We want to make sure that we're honoring that sleep phase um, so that we can show up for our best in the active phase. And... um, body movement, making sure that you're moving. I will tell you the, what I have seen consistently in practice is the women that have less symptoms of hot flashes and night sweats and metabolic changes are the women that are consistent with how they move their bodies. Are they doing their yoga every day? Are they going to orange theory every day? Are they hiking every day and staying consistent with that? That is hugely important. Definitely. And And the other thing would be nutrition and what you put in your body. Like that's huge. The shift for how our muscle mass adjusts with our loss of estrogen and changes with how testosterone shows up um, also make a big difference in in how we can feel. And our nutrition is going to be a big part of that. So reducing toxins, supporting how our body can detoxify, and then ensuring that we're getting enough protein, right? Like we need protein. You have Mm. to have protein to help keep that muscle and our muscles become their own endocrine organs that help our metabolism and all of that. So we want to make sure that we continue to support that functionality as well. Mm -hmm. I think those would be our, like, those are the big nuggets that I look at. Totally. But I want to go back to the exercise piece because I feel like this is something that we don't talk about enough. Um, it's, it's trickled a little bit in some of the more um, untraditional views of managing hormones or sort of like out of the box thinking. But the idea that if we exercise is good and movement is good, and if we're hard, if we're doing it too hard, we're also doing us, ourselves a disservice so can we talk about that balance there? Because I, I hear you on food, I hear you on toxins, um, but let's talk about shooting our cortisol too high, right? During exercise. Yeah, or wearing our cortisol out, which is right. usually by the time we're hitting perimenopause to menopause is what I'm seeing. And see. the hard part about that is because we have been in this pattern of like, this is what works for my body and it's not working anymore. I'm just going to try it harder. I'm just going to do it more. Or, you know, like that's what I see a lot of people respond with. Like, well, I'm just, just got to work harder. I'm going to see if I can just exercise it out. (laughs) Um, And what ends up happening with that is that's not the case. You actually need to dial it down because Mm. now it's too much for your body and you're, and now you're wearing your body out too much and your body doesn't have the stores to be able to handle that. And it ends up being more of a stress on the system and can be more detrimental. So you end up losing what you're trying to gain. Right. You, so so say more about losing what you're trying to gain. 
So that's that idea of like, okay, well, I've I've started to gain weight. My body looks different. I'm eating the same as I was doing before. So what that must mean is that I need to add another day of my workout or I need to increase the intensity of my workouts. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And they do that and they're still gaining weight or they're still tired or they're, you know, they're not getting the results that they would have 10, 20 years ago. And that's where it's like, okay, except this is probably now too much for your body, depending on what your hormones look like. What's a good signal to yourself that you overdid it or or you're overdoing it? When you have to recover Mm. from what you did. Mm -hmm. So like it, you feel you feel exhausted after a workout or like hours later, you're just appropriate. Wiped. Yeah. Like there's the appropriate, like, Oh, that was good. Like, and now I'm worn out. But if you're like even later that day or the next day where you're like, man, I am just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm capped out. Right. Like I can't, the thought of trying to do that workout again, is like, Oh, but I'm going to, you know, just by sheer will. And this is the other thing that I see a lot of women do so many females that I work with just mm-hmm. by sheer will make it through that next workout. It's not because they have the energy to, it's not because they are like, okay, I'm ready to do it. It's sheer will of like, I am going to, I told myself I was going to do it. So I'm going to do it. And it's like, okay, except let's listen to what your body is telling you. Right. Um, and so that's where if you have to recover or if you've been doing this and your body is not responding in kind, right. That's the other message, right? Like it's, it's, it doesn't want that. It doesn't like that. It's not helping it. Yeah. And that, that's reiterating, going back to what we were saying about listening to your body in that sense. Like these are, these are little signals. Totally. Yep. Well, the recovering of the adrenals, it's, it's so tricky. I mean, I, too, I, 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 I use myself as an example, I guess, like, you know, like low cortisol function, my adrenals are pretty tanked, especially the last half of the day. And like, oh man, like if I go and I try to you know, I was going, I started going back to spin for a little bit. And then I was realizing after an hour of spin, like I feel dead. <laughs> like I was just like, it's too much, you know, and it's okay too, for us to like space things out. Like what, you know, weight bearing exercise, especially is so good, especially because we're losing a lot more bone mass. Um, and so women, as we go through perimenopause and going into menopause, uh, that's why we see a lot more women, with osteopenia and osteoporosis and, you know, bones sort of stuff happening. Um, you know, but one thing I've even done is like, you know, I keep a couple sets of weights just in my office and then, you know, I try to set a timer and every hour I just get up and I either go outside and I go walk around a little bit, or I do a few reps of, you know, squats or, you know, weight bearing exercises, just even in my office, you know, even when you're really, you know, busy or other things. And what I've learned that works for me is these more shorter spurts of harder exercise um, works a lot better. And then yoga and more just meditation and stretching and, you know, just honoring again, that body, um, my body's needs, which is like, I just need to recover. I'm really tired. And, you know, people on the show have heard me say before, I've had a long journey with mold and Lyme and, you know, it just, it knocked my system out, you know, like I just, I need, it takes me so much more. I'm a nine hours of sleep lady and I could be in bed at nine o'clock and sleep until seven the next day. And, you know, yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to listen to our bodies, especially I think, um, as our demands become more and more. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, women, we are working, you know, maybe you have children, you have spouses, maybe you're helping support family members or, you know, other things going, um, you know, going on. And I think, you know, that, that constant juggling and that prioritizing and um, it's, it's hard for, I think all of us, right. And routine. Oh my gosh. You know, it's huge. Yeah. Well, and that's not to say like, okay, we'll just become lazy and don't do anything, right? Like this is that delicate balance of listening to your body, allowing healing, and then getting back into an appropriate schedule for you. Yeah. Because I feel like uh, the pushback that I get from some folks is like, well, but I can't just do nothing, right? And so it's being able to identify what that means for them. Okay, so instead of doing Orange Theory four days a week, 
what we're going to do now is vinyasa yoga two days a week and we'll have one day of strength training and that you know so you can it can be adjusted to what your body can handle and how your body can heal best yeah right so being able to have that awareness like you're saying cheryl right like this really knocked me out how can i heal myself but continue to heal myself moving forward yeah and i feel like there's that there's a subtle unsaid kind of piece here which is like coming to peace I feel like, as we've already talked about, there's this shift from, you know, our being in our 30s and having all this energy and doing doing the things that we could just, you know, we could always pump through that workout that said something about us. There was a little bit of, maybe some of us have some self-identity like, tied up in that and being a level of an athlete, uh, 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 yeah, being the athlete, being the, like, the best in, in there, like, it, it in their kickboxing class, being able to handle certain things and juggle it and letting go of that. I mean, there's there's some stuff to process there. I mean, I can certainly recognize that. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember trying to get pregnant with Lucia and there was a lot of that, like, of, of letting go, of just saying, like, you know, on multiple levels, you know, not, not doing the all-nighter for work, not not, not putting things off so I wasn't always so stressed, rethinking my workouts. I mean, you know, the list had to go on and on a little bit for me to renegotiate um, who this new person was so that, my, so that my hormones could kind of calm down and get settled. Yeah, so in, in terms of, of, I think what we've covered so far is looking at, you know, what are the big signals and even earlier signals, like like Cheryl hinted to, towards, it's like like the client with the histamine issues in her 30s and early 40s, and now she's hitting menopause. And those were a link to show her that, oh, by the way, this is not just showing up at your doorstep. All these complications um, have been kind of barking at you for a little while, but you just didn't quite understand how to read them. Um, can we talk a little bit more, uh, let's get into that transition. So if we're moving from perimenopause into full menopause, is, is that accurate actually, Debbie? Am I saying that right? So do we go to, from perimenopause to menopause and then we, and then, and then we become postmenopausal? Just want to make sure I'm like talking about this correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So perimenopause is that place where you're still having cycles. You're still having that like cyclical kind of response, even if it's irregularly cyclical. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and then that menopause is that 365 days of no cycle, right? So you have now had like your final menstrual period and then 366 days later, yeah. you are menopausal. And then it becomes postmenopause after that. Um, okay. And that is where you have more predictable levels of your estrogen and progesterone being low, right? Like it's going to be that like, oh, I would not be surprised to find your estrogen levels very low, right? Your Mm -hmm. progesterone levels very low. Um, That becomes more of that predictable where I feel like perimenopause is like, eh, like we we just don't know what's going to happen here. To, To give us a picture of what that looks like from a timeline, we're looking at perimenopause from everything in terms of years from two years all the way up to maybe eight years. And then the menopausal phase could only, it's up to your body to when you pass that 365 window. So that could technically just be a year. Right. Right. And then the rest of your life, you're, you're postmenopausal. Is that right? You are postmenopausal. That is right. That is right. And because our, our population is now, you know, we have a lot more females living longer, right? So we're spending a lot more time in that postmenopausal phase. And that's where we start to see, okay, we want to look at quality of health, the things that we can do to influence our, you know, bone health, like you were saying, Cheryl, heart health, um, muscle health, right? Like our Mm -hmm. physical capacity to be able to do and continue to do the things that we want to do. Mm -hmm. So let's get into the things that we feel like are going to be the most beneficial to women to going through menopause, even through, you know, perimenopause, because I know even in my practice in WA, I'm sure you've seen this and, you know, Nancy and other people, which is, you know, 
I think one of the big things that I've just noticed is, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, but like not enough protein and fat. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of women coming in on um, vegetarian and vegan diets and having, you know, plant-based diets, having a really, really hard time, um, you know, dehydration, like just not drinking enough good, clean, pure water. And like, you know, real, real talk guys, the municipal water systems are not clean, you know? So like filtering your water, um, and so forth. Um, you know, I think, you know, also with that is like sugar and carbohydrates, you know, that we're, the food pyramid is unfortunately, um, upside down on what it should be. <laughs> yes. Abysmal indeed. Um, you know, and you know, it, you know, it's funny. I, um, Dr. Tina Moore, who I really, I really like, uh, she's also a naturopath, um, you know, just the, the essence of like, you know, it's like, <laughs> she's such a big proponent of like insulin resistance, but like metabolic, you know, how much metabolic issues we're seeing and like eat meat ladies, like get grass fed beef, lamb, the meat protein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The meat protein. Like we need, um, you know, amino acids and carotene well, and all these talking about like the complete amino acids, right? Like when we look at pea protein and hemp protein, and this is, I have plenty of shakes downstairs that have pea protein and hemp protein and, you know, plant-based, which is fine. But when we're looking at supporting our true, like protein, um, support, we need complete amino acids. Pea protein is not a complete amino acid, right? We need to make sure that if we are choosing to have those, they need to be complete amino acids. So you need to have that awareness and you need to know that going into it. You get the biggest bang for your buck with animal protein. That is, there. it's just the research does support yeah. that. And I know I have a, I have a colleague who is vegan vegetarian and he has awareness. He's a practitioner. He has the awareness of supporting people in complete protein support if you're going to be vegan and vegetarian. If you want to do that, I feel like you need to do that under the guide of somebody that knows what they're doing. So you are getting that complete protein. So you're not missing out because missing out means that you're missing out on supporting your body the best way it could be, right? I, I feel very strongly about that. We can support your beliefs, but it needs to ensure that we're also supporting you for your optimal quality of life. Well said. And also that those amino acids, you know, are necessary for our neurotransmitters. Also, the, the whole mood connection, anxiety, depression, you know, a lot of these other things, you know, and then also thyroid health, like all, it all plays together, that adrenal piece that we were talking about. And so, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm totally with you there and it's, it's tricky. It's tricky to, um, I think remain on plant-based diets and um, meet those needs. You have to do have to be really mindful and how you do it put together and and so forth. Um, you know, beans are not a complete protein. Um, you know, they need so grains. they need grains to go with them. You need a couple yeah. of them with grains. I mean that 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 helps and to to include a whole grain, brown rice, you know, or another type of grain makes yeah. it a complete protein. More more complete protein. That's why we see the, the coupling of beans and rice across mul- like just multiple cultures. Right. But also, I think the process, too, is, you know, of soaking those beans and grains and, you know, cooking them properly. Um, you know, using the process of fermentation, um, you know, in the mix, I think is also big, a big part of it. And I think this goes for, like, anything we're bringing in our bodies, right? It's like we... We have to be mindful that unfortunately our farming practices are hijacked and they're, you know, we're not getting the minerals that we need out of our, out of our vegetables and, you know, animals and good regenerative farming is responsible for turning over soil and actually growing good produce. Right. And so that unfortunately we've gotten so far from good farming practices and, um, you know, then there's glyphosate and so many other things sort of in the mix. And so I think it's, you know, it's just good to bounce us back, which is that we need to just eat as much real food as we can. We need to be mindful where we're buying our food from, you know, organic as much as we can afford to, you know, making sure that we are getting those minerals from, you know, different sources and good electrolytes and, you know, things like that as part of our like 
kind of pro-action steps that we should be taking. And I understand that, you know, the busy person is going to be, it's going to take another level of effort, right? To ensure that you are getting the good food from where it needs to be. You're getting the good supplementation from where it needs to be, but it's worth it. It just also means, yeah, this is going back to the idea of like setting good boundaries, accepting, saying no to things and starting saying yes to different things that actually help structure that. The whole piece of meal planning and and actually paying attention to taking the time to soak grains or or soak beans and starting to learn some of these things. It takes learning them, unfortunately, for a lot of us. I mean, you just... If, you, if you've never done it before, then how in the world are you expected just to jump in and start changing your entire patterning for how you've been cooking for 15, you know, 20 years um, or how you've been taught, you know, by by multiple generations about what what food on our table looks like um, and so and how it should look and taste and be made with, you know. So I think one, one of the things that I've always, I think you, you, you both can appreciate is that idea that like, Food, whatever goes into our body has to count for something, particularly if, if, you're, if you're not eating a lot of animal protein um, or, or you're light on it um, in your diet so that make it count, you know, make it count. So Because if that doesn't, your body also has to figure out what to do with it. That's right. And so, yeah, just ex- that just exacerbates the problems that we're talking about. Um, so we, we want this to be graceful. Like the idea, obviously, is that <laughs> that we're going to go through perimenopause and into menopause, and then and then into postmenopause with some grace and some ease. And I think you know the the hope here is that when someone finishes this episode, that they feel more empowered and more clear, and hopefully more motivated to start to understand those subtle cues and maybe not so subtle cues from our body um, and to not be shamed about them, to not be, you know, totally thrown off by them either and try to get centered and focused and think about what a new, what a shift in life and diet and lifestyle looks like. Um, So Debbie, when you, when you have folks coming in to your office needing support around this transition in life. I think we probably hit on it, but I guess I know everybody's different, but I imagine what you're doing is running some blood work, right? That's the first step, kind of see where their levels are. And then are you are you just hitting on a bunch of these notes that we've been covering today, which is let's, let's look at lifestyle, diet, sleep. I mean, those and, are going to be the big things, right? Like right. what are you doing now? What mm-hmm. has worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? And kind of figuring out what the lay of the land is, right? Because you can't expect somebody to come in and then you'd be like, well, let's change your whole life 180 degrees. Exactly. You know, no. that's not realistic. And this is where we look at, okay, where am I now? What is working right. now? And what are the gentle changes that we can do to make this um, an easier transition? So like, yes, I can tackle this at this point, right? So we look at, okay, let's start working on honoring sleep. Great. That's going to be our first step. Or, you know, it depends on the person. Maybe the next person is, okay, let's start tracking your nutrition throughout the day. What are your macros? How much protein are you getting? How many carbs are you getting? How much fat are you getting? What does that look like? Um, So really it's kind of finding out where you're at Um, Mm -hmm. and like in your life and and what your practices are. And then we can also look at any kind of lab testing. Um, blood testing and, or I am obviously a big fan of, of Dutch testing because that also looks at, um, the, your sex hormones as well as adrenal testing. So, and whether, however you test it, right. I think that the adrenal or stress level is an important piece to look at. Um, and then even looking at digestion, right? Like stool testing, digestion, Mm -hmm. digestive function, how, how does your body respond to food, right? Like, you know, I think that's important to look at too. And I do want to say here, like as much as we want to honor this transition, there is beauty in the transition and there is beauty on the other side, but that doesn't mean you're going to enjoy every part of the transition. So if you're like, like, I just can't handle (laughs) my ears itching like crazy. And I don't know what happened there, or I just can't handle the hot flashes that are happening, you know, like notating that, right? Like this is my pain point. And that's what you're going to also continue to work through, right? Like, how can we support the body in that? What are the things we can do to support that? 
And then there are the silent things that we don't necessarily feel, right? Like that's going to be your bone density. That's going to be looking at cardiovascular health. That's going to be looking at even brain health, right? Like what is that cognition? What is your memory recall? So there are a couple of things to, to look at and consider as mm-hmm. your body is also going through these changes. Yeah, I think that that's what's so important you know, to all of you out there listening is just that that's what's so important about seeing a practitioner and just like having just someone gently say, hey, this isn't normal or this this could be better. Don't you want it to be better? Do you recognize that this might be a little off? And sort of just peeling back, you know, it's not about just like putting a mirror in front of your face and saying, hey, girl, you haven't been up to par. Come on, ship shape. That's it, not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, hey, this is this is important. Um, if we're going to age gracefully, you know, and and have the second part of our, our life to be um, fulfilling and and satisfying, we, we have to just take some some simple steps to to look at ourselves and look at our habits and and make some some changes. So yeah, that thank you for listing all that out. I think it's really helpful. And thank you for marching down this path with us again. We also, we truly love your input and, and the oh, ease and grace. I love talking with you guys through it yeah. too. <laughs> so Debbie, for our book club, do you have any books or favorite books that you would recommend um, for the people? She does. There she is does. one. I Yes. Um, Felice Gersh actually just um, published a book. Oh, I think it's next to my bedside. Um, it's like the... Um, the 45 things to look at for menopause. So um, I I will confirm the title of that um, when I grab it, but that's what I've been reading. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. We will post that once we have the title and and everything in our book club page on our website. So guys, I have two book recommendations, actually. Um, The first is Dr. Laura Bryden. Um, She wrote a book called The Hormone Repair Manual. It's a great read. It's a guide to healthy hormones after 40. Um, So I think it's really nice because it really gets into perimenopause and menopause. And we actually got a copy of it last year of the School for Applied Functional Medicine's retreat. Um, Our whole focus was hormones. Debbie was actually one of our guest speakers. And so um, that's why we're so like amped up about it, um, both of us. But also, um, I really like the work of Dr. Mindy Peltz. Um, she wrote the book Fast Like a Girl, but also she's got tons of like um, stuff on YouTube. She's got like a resetter community. So it also gets into um, a lot of her stuff gets into not just hormones, but that protein piece. It gets a little bit into some of the you know components of like of keto, but really just the idea that you know, having fasting windows of bare minimum 12 to 14 hours where we're not eating so that our bodies can actually reset, our metabolism can reset. But then she gets way deeper into like, you know, 72 hour fast and, you know, it gets really crazy. But, um, but both of those are really, I think, really good reads for both resetting gut health and supporting hormones and hormonal mm. repair. Awesome. Yeah, I, I need to get into the Mindy Peltz world for sure. That's exciting. I am going to recommend actually Elisa Vitti's second book, which is um, she was the author, or she is the author of Woman Code. And it just, it was one of these books that in my 30s just like unveiled some very basics. I passed it to a lot of people that I knew. It really just helped me understand what was normal, what was abnormal, some of the ways that that my cycle worked. It was just kind of like one of those things that kind of popped the top for me um, before I got into like into school to study any of this. And um, she wrote a second book called In the Flow. So it's called, it's called The 28-Day Plan, Working with Your Monthly Cycle to Do More and Stress Less. And the idea is basically to recognize that we have these different phases as women throughout our cycle that we are un- we're not built like men we are we do not operate like men our brains don't do that our hormones have such an effect and if we could just recognize the the, the different phases of our cycle um, and maybe plan a little bit more intentionally around those phases that these topics that we brought up today around cortisol and um, and, and, and adrenal function and stress um, will 
actually do a lot better. You know, we will recover easier. We will be triggered less. <laughs> and we will, again, say no to things that aren't fitting into that window and say more yeses to things that do. Um, again, setting some more boundaries. And Elisa uses the, our, 20, our traditional 28-day cycle um, for a, a woman's period. So I think this is a great book for anybody who's still actually at, like at, actively menstruating and needs to try to steer, wants to try to steer the, the car a little more on the, the road, inside the lanes. So yeah, it's, it's, she's a, it's, it's a good resource. So anyway, thank you, Dr. Debbie Rice. Thanks for all of your input and wisdom. Thanks for talking through all of this too. Yeah, I hope for those of you listening, you have walked away today with maybe at least you know two or three things that that you will shift and change in your day to day. Um, some maybe some shifts to your diet. Maybe it's a shift to your sleep schedule. Maybe it's a shift to your workout. Um, and maybe you feel a little bit more normal. Um, and you're not just, trust me, you're not alone <laughs> in any of the symptoms. No, <laughs> whole half of the world is also going to be dealing with. <laughs> and just a reminder for our listeners, you guys can find the books on our website at peelingtheunknownpodcast.com. Follow our book club, follow us on Instagram. And then also you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, um, and you can also stream directly from our website, again, at peelingtheonionpodcast.com. Debbie, where can our listeners find you for more information? Yeah. So my Instagram is drrice.debbie, um, where I am mostly active, <laughs> depending <laughs> on life and stress, right? And then that's probably the, the, the best nugget to, to find me. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, enjoy the snow, which you are surrounded by right now and in the depths of Arizona. And we will catch you next time. Guys, keep peeling that onion. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Peeling the Onion Podcast. If we've inspired you to take the next step in your healing journey, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can also find us on Instagram and online at peelingtheonionpodcast.com. Music by Greg DeJazu and podcast production by Nova Media. Until next time, keep peeling the onion.